African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us online on www.channelafrica.co.za. And we're also on DSTV on the Audio Bouquet Channel 802. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on African Dialogue, where we contextualize the stories of the African continent. Uh, thank you for uh, joining me and the Africa Dialogue team. Well, I know that uh, our South African topics really don't get tracked on our Facebook page. It seems every time we talk about South Africa, uh, nobody really comments there. But we want you to get your thoughts in in terms of the topic we're speaking about today, which is the fitness of the current public protector in South Africa. What are your thoughts on that? You might be listening in South Africa and you want to give us your thoughts because kind of your thoughts actually can change the trajectory of the program. So go to our Facebook page on Channel Africa and uh, give us your thoughts there. Well, South Africa's National Assembly Speaker, uh, Tandi Mudisa, is seeking legal advice on how to take appropriate action uh, pertaining to a request made by the Democratic Alliance to have a parliament uh, initiate proceedings to consider the removal uh, of the public protector, Busisiwe Mkwebane. In her latest report, the public protector found that the Minister of Public Enterprises, Pravin Godan, had violated the constitution when he granted former SARS deputy Commissioner Ivan Pillay, early retirement with full benefits in 2010. Gordon has since filed a review application in the Gauteng High Court in Pretoria, uh, seeking to have the report's findings set aside. Meanwhile, uh, some sectors of society have called for Mkwebane to resign, while some political parties, such as the African National Congress and the Economic Freedom Fighters, have expressed their uh, very much diverse views around Mkwebane, but we know uh, that the EFF uh, actually stands uh, behind Abusisiwe Mkwebane. Well, to help us on this subject matter, we start the conversation with uh, Dr. Theo Fender, political and policy specialist and uh, lecturer at the Northwest University's Business School. And also we've got Dr. Ina Khos, senior lecturer for governance and political transformation at uh, the University of Free State's uh, Department of Politics. Dr. Tabisi Hoyane is with us once again from the University of South Africa's Department of Political Sciences. Now, let me start with you, Dr. Hoyane. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you. Now, let's look at uh, this uh, long-time conversation around uh, the fitness of Busisiwe uh, Mkwebane. It seems like this topic is even gathering more traction politically, especially is kind of polarized even with the standpoints of the different political parties and what they have to say around Busisiwe uh, Mkwebane's uh, fitness uh, as uh, a public protector. How do you dissect this situation and where do you see it coming from? I think you have got it right when you talk about the political currents around it. My own viewpoint 
around this issue is that this should not be politicized. This is a chapter nine institution. I think it is very, very important that when we consider whatever is happening around the whole issue, we must understand that this matter must not be politicized. Where I'm worried about issues is that the thing is now being degraded into an issue between uh, Mr. Gordon and Ms. Mkweba. That is not where the issue should be. The issue should be where is the justice going to actually be delivered. For example, the issue about a Chapter 9 institution should not be what we see in the media being degraded about she's not fit to do this, she's not fit to do that. Let us give the legal processes a chance to actually work. Because here is what the PP has said about Mr. Gordon. And Mr. Gordon has taken the issue on review. Let us wait for those processes. I don't see why there is a lot of noise around, you know, she is not fit to hold office and stuff like that. So I think that is one principle we must respect. Gordon and Mkwebani will go. They are not there forever. These institutions will remain. Okay, because I think the main issue, and let me stay with you for this particular point in terms of of her fitness capabilities, is when a lot of people are now using the Gauteng High Court's uh, decision um, in terms of looking at the Friede Dairy uh, uh, projects and the insti- investigation into that. And the Gauteng High Court in Pretoria ruled that uh, the public protector is not actually doing enough in terms of her investigations, that she failed in her, in her duties to investigate that particular matters. So the court... Uh, actually deemed that report as unconstitutional and invalid. Therefore, it, it actually set it aside, um, Dr. Hoyani. So that actually might give some political forces some backing in terms of why they would deem Mkwebane unfit. Yes, from that perspective, you can say that is valid. But you see, the problem here is this. What people are talking about that the PP should not be involved in doing other things. I'm not aware of any legal injunction that where courts have found out that the PP has done something, she cannot actually go ahead and pronounce on other issues. You see, people are talking about the Nugent Commission, for example, I don't understand how, where that thing comes from because in the constitution of this country it has not been said up until it is said that if a commission has actually pronounced on something, therefore the public protector cannot go there. There's nothing which really, which really stops that office from doing so. And I think one thing I should qualify this thing Mm. is that it is now about personalities. Mm. You see, it is not about Godan or Mkweba. It is about public institutions which are set by the Constitution. That's where we must go. Let us not degrade our debates by trying to look at personalities. 
All right, let me bring it to Dr. Inahos. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Because it is dangerous grounds on what is happening in terms of questioning the, the fitness of the public protector because some people are actually now leaning towards uh, uh, not really focusing on her functions but rather uh, the type of investigations that she's focusing upon, uh, Dr. Inahos. Do you agree, firstly, with what Dr. Tabisi Hoyan is highlighting here, that it's becoming a personality game here and that uh, the investigations in themselves are not uh, properly um, unpacked and maybe uh, put through a, a, a more comprehensive legal process? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with, <coughs> with, with my colleague um, uh, about the process and that the legal process must definitely take its course. The fact is we have a public protector. She is in this particular office. She has particular responsibilities. She decided to make these investigations. She brought out a report. We know that the <clears throat> recommendations are binding. Thanks to the Nkandla situation with, with, with Tule Madonsela. Um, it now can be, uh, we go, go for review, which, which is what President Corden decided to do. And now we must see what, what comes from that. I think perceptions are mostly also uh, at, at work here in mm. terms of the, uh, as we said, the High Court um, uh, pronouncement about the Freda project, the idea that the public protector, once again, was ruled to have acted unconstitutionally, uh, even irrationally, is, is problematic for South Africans to hear and for the office itself, I believe. Um, you know, this is a Chapter 9 institution, as we know, and you look at the, 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 the mandate of this office. Uh, it's the constitution of the, the Republic that provides for the establishment of this um, public protector to investigate matters and to protect the public against matters such as maladministration in connection with the affairs of government, about improper conduct by persons performing a public function, improper acts with respect to public money, improper unlawful enrichment of a person performing a public function and act in that way. So, uh, you know, she's, this office, apart from her specifically, is supposed to be very busy in this country because we see all these things happening as we speak in the Zondo Commission and all of that. Now it's become a situation where we have to question, according to political parties, her particular fitness as the head of this office. And that is problematic. That's one office, one person that we have to absolutely trust to know what is constitutional, what is not, what is proper conduct, what is not. So although people are, they will make mistakes, we should be able to find these reports mm-hmm. to be above, above reproach. But the bottom line is, like as you said, that the, the, these legislative or, or laws must take its course and Certainly, uh, public uh, minister Gordon is not above the law, mm. so he must go through these processes. Let me come to you, Dr. Theo Finter, because what Dr. Inahos is highlighting is very important, because we can't have um, political parties actually overriding or having kind of uh, overseeing. 
um, role on a chapter nine institution. And that seems to be where the politics are playing right now, especially with some of the sentiments that have been made by uh, Minister of Public Enterprise, Praveen Gordhan, saying that investigations could have a, a political um, conspiracy around him and that might be the intentions why uh, the public protector is actually dealing with some of these matters in the nature that she is that's dangerous isn't it well let me first say my my two colleagues are carrying distinguished ranks i'm just mr fenter i have no doctorate okay sorry about that's what i have on my scripture apologize for that yeah but i've got 30 years of experience (laughs) what we're talking about and um I I would like to say that um, the current public protector is weak, extremely weak. I think she's extremely unqualified. Despite the fact that she's got an LLB, she has never practiced law. She worked for the state security agency as a junior official. And from there, through my information, is Minister Mashlobo then um, went through the ranks to where she is mm. now. So... The difficulty I have with this whole debate is that we had two previous public protectors, mm. um, Selby Bakwa and Lawrence Mushwana. Of the two, Lawrence Mushwana was extremely weak. Several whitewashes took place. So that, that's a Chapter 9 institution. For the first 14 years, wasn't taken seriously. Then came Tuli Madonsela, and she changed the whole thing on his head. And now the difficulty of the Gordan and, and, and Makwebane situation is we now know how that institution can function. We don't have to wait. We don't have to worry about process. We know how it can function and how it can work well. When, when Makwebane came in, and we'll have to measure her, also the role of the political parties, in terms of what she said when she took the office. She said two things. She will build the office. I'm still waiting for that. And secondly, she said her focus will be on the small man, on the, on the, on the people on the ground, and to see how she can better their conditions. Well, she did one or two cases. I know in Northwest she looked into the case of the uh, different accounts um, of, of uh, certain of the people in, in, in Rustenburg and so on. But this case of Pravin Gordhan was taken on in a political sense. Therefore, all the political parties are on her case. And, and suddenly, she becomes, rather than building the state institutions, such as Chapter 9 um, build, um, uh, institutions, she's becoming a divisive factor. She's becoming a factor where everybody takes her to court. And once they've succeeded, like in the Frieda case, and in the Praveen Gordhan case, I, I, I want to give you a printed letter that the case will be thrown out. Because um, there are several, you see, South African law works on precedent. And there are certain precedents in this case. She might be right in the sense that um, if, you, if you get a, an early retirement, certain rules apply, which was in this case not probably uh, 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 well-formed or formulated. But then again, Praveen Godan said, but I took time, I consulted, I knew it was challenging and, and challengeable, 
but therefore I took advice. So I think this, this, this provides for the political parties so much to deal with. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the problem I've got with, with uh, Makwebani at the moment. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and I'd like uh, our other guests to deal with some of those matters um, that Theo Fenter is highlighting there, because those are concerns that have been regurgitated in the public domain uh, by Godan, also by a lot of commentators, and also um, by... um, Pravin Gordon himself, as you heard from Theo Fenter there. But let's take a quick break and we'll come back to that. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, It's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Yeah. 24 minutes past 11 o'clock uh, Central African time. Thank you for joining us here in our SABC studios in Johannesburg. And thank you for joining us on our various platforms. You are listening to Channel Africa, and this is African Dialogue, where from Monday to Thursday, we look at the big conversations on the African continent. Remember, as I mentioned, that uh, sometimes there are South African topics don't pick up. I know yesterday we were speaking about Nigeria, and you guys were so involved in that. But today on our Facebook page, we're asking uh, the question, what do you think about the fitness of South Africa as a public uh, protector? Uh, give us your thoughts there on our Facebook page is simply titled uh, Channel Africa. If you're just joining us now, we joined uh, in this discussion for today by Theo Fenter, political and policy specialist and lecturer at the Northwest University's Business School. Got Dr. Inerhos, senior lecturer for governance and political transformation at the Department of Politics at the University of the Free State. And Dr. Tabi Suhoane, who is uh, uh, joining us from uh, the University of um, uh, South Africa and he is uh, there at the Department of Political Studies. Let me start with you, Dr. Inahos, because I think uh, uh, Theo is highlighting very important points there that are in the public domain. But let's start with the first point in terms of the issue that he highlighted initially around uh, her experience, around the fact that uh, her credibility within um, the law fraternity in terms of experience in that regard. My question around that and the questioning of that is that she went through a robust uh, parliamentary process when she's appointed on this particular position. So it's not her fault that she doesn't have that particular experience that now is being imposed upon her, as is alluded to by uh, Theo Fender. I'm not coming to the defense of the public protector. I'm just asking this question because it's really asked. Well, you know, her fault is, is also, you know, questionable situation. She made herself available for this position. Uh, knowing very well what the qualification should be, knowing very well a predecessor's successes and the shoes she would have to fill, if that was even a consideration. And we know that very robust, robust process 
um, most of the political parties who were involved in that uh, did not find her to be suitable for this position. Um, the ANC and the EFF, uh, you know, decided to appoint her anyway. So many of the the, the, the issues raised, the uh, you know, problems that people had with her, with the CV, the way she predicted herself, the way she answered her questions, were ignored. And even then, um, you know, there were reports of that this might, this might ultimately be a political appointment um, instead of one that is supposed to suit this particular office uh, and what it's supposed to do. My worry in this sense is that the, the way she now um, conducts herself and the way she tries to uh, explain her actions, she had a YouTube video made um, in which she said the media is against her, therefore she will now use this particular platform to explain herself with the situation with Gordon. She even said she's going to expand beyond the Pelé situation, her investigations into the potential um, tender irregularities with SARS. They were the road unit once again that's been, you know, exhaustively um, uh, investigated from various um, fronts. The management, financial management system of the Treasury under Gordon's watch, and then the allegation that he lied to Parliament regarding his interactions with Professor Gupta. So she's even going to go further with the situation. And when you think about resources, which unfortunately she has to do because it's very limited in this particular office, you know, 18,000 complaints were made at the Public Protective Office between 2017 and 2018 of only 4,000 were dealt with during that time. What is attainable? What will it reach? What will it do? Again, nobody is above the law. But the bigger picture here, it worries me that uh, the leader of this office doesn't see it. Hmm, very interesting thoughts there uh, from uh, Dr. Inachos. Dr. Hoyane, what are your thoughts on that? Because here we have maybe a problem in terms of even the appointment mechanisms of the public protector and in terms of uh, that uh, aligning itself maybe with uh, political dynamics. You know, my, my, my biggest problem in approaching this matter is hmm. that we sort of make very, you know, simplistic arguments mm. about, you know, political ambitions and stuff like mm. that. Okay? For example, there is one dangerous expression in this country about public opinion. Mm. What does public opinion mean? The court of public opinion. There's nothing like that. Okay? Right where I am here, in you go and ask people there and ask them about public opinion, they're going to tell you that we don't know anything about that. My issue here is this. Can we just respect the institutions of democracy? Why don't we actually wait for the courts to pronounce on this thing? The public protector has made the decision. She has got the right to make that decision. And Brazil Gordon has got the right to respond. She has gone to the court for a review. So let us wait for those processes. You see? 
Let us not actually go about looking at the media. I mean, I read different newspapers from other people. Other people are making a lot of nice research. It's stupid. It's like this. It's like that. I don't think we should go there. It is not a personal thing. It is a professional issue. That is my belief. And just staying with that particular process, if there is actually this um, process that's been followed by the Democratic Alliance, as we know that uh, they have actually started a process uh, to initiate uh, the the removal of uh, the public protector, um, is that also contending with that particular constitution's role and the reasons given in light of what has been highlighted by Theo Fenter in terms of her capacity, in terms of her experience, will it delegitimize uh, that office if we see a, a reversal of her appointment? Yeah. No, but that, that, that won't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me just uh, hear what Dr. Hoyane yeah. has to say. I'll yes. come to you. Like, like I said, it is not about the DA or the ANC or the EFF or anybody else. If the DA brings up an issue against the public protector and we follow the law, let the law take its course, okay? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who initiate the thing. That mm-hmm. is where my point is. But now the debate is being so toxic in the sense that now people are now saying that, oh, the public protector has got a political uh, background, she wants to do this, but to do that, something which is not proven, okay? Mm. Okay, uh, Theo, you wanted to highlight something, you were saying that it has yeah. happened before. Yes, and, and, and if we look at our parliamentary system, the DA has got exactly the same problem that, um, that the Democratic Party has in the United States. They can, take, they can take Donald Trump um, through a process of impeachment, uh, but they will not succeed because they need the Senate uh, as the jury to decide on that, and the Senate, of course, is Republican. So that case is, is, is still born from the start. What the Democrats would like to do is to tarnish the image of, of Trump. Now, let's go to the public protector. The DA is trying exactly the same. We know that the dominant and the ruling party will not allow that to happen unless they decide that the public protector is not doing a job, and that they haven't decided yet. So I think this is, at the moment, cheap political issues, and that's, that's at most what, what can happen. I think it will tarnish her role a little bit. It will, it will allow for a platform to discuss her. But remember, exactly the same happened to Tuli Madunsela. When, when Nkandla was at its height, it was the ANC that, that took Tuli on in Parliament. Remember, they curtailed her budget. They wouldn't give her more money to do the work. That was the sanction um, they had on her then. So that's one way of dealing with her, and that caused some of the work that Tuli Marosella tried to finish not to be finished, uh, which later on Makwebane took over, and we now know that there wasn't a lot of continuity between the two public protectors, which if, if an institution 
is well established and mature in its development, that would have happened. Mm. You know, you're all coming from different sides of uh, perspective, which is a very great discussion, actually. It makes for a very compelling uh, conversation just to hear the different dynamics that you all uh, are bringing in. And when when we come back after the break, as we wrap up this conversation, I'd like to look at uh, the process of... uh, you know, where do you create the limitations here? Uh, I think there's a problem that you all have brought forth in terms of the political interventions that we are seeing currently in terms of her role. I think there's also a problem in the fact that uh, the public protector's mandate is given by political parties in parliament because now we're questioning even her capacity, we're questioning her, uh, her even her legal background and uh, if those were scrutinized through the parliamentary system and they were isolated and they were professional, we wouldn't be asking those questions uh, a few years later. And the third problem that I have with this particular issue is also um, the, the support mechanisms around the pro- public protector uh, processes that have been highlighted now by Theo Fenter. And she herself, Pusisiwa Mkweban, has said that she also has financial lim- limitations in terms of expediting some of her um, investigations. So we look at those. What's the way forward in that regard? You're listening to Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushata. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1,000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1,000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us right here. Uh, this is African Dialogue. It's uh, 37 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. Uh, thank you for joining us on our various platforms on this discussion that we're having on the role of South Africa's public protector and her fitness to hold office. And uh, we're joined by Dr. Ina Hose from the University of Free State. From Free State, yes, that's it. And Theo Fenter from the Northwest University's Business School. And Dr. Tab- B.C. Hoyane, who is joining us from the University of South Africa. Now, let's uh, come to you, Dr. Hoyane, in terms of uh, those three pointers that are highlighted uh, before the break. Uh, what's the way forward? Because all of those three processes seem to be under scrutinization here based on this one figure who is Busisiwe Mkwebane. Uh, what are your thoughts of moving this uh, process forward? I know that it's a very contentious and fragmented issue right now in South Africa. Yes, I agree with you. It's a very contentious issue because of the institution. Okay? But I believe that in all our deliberations about the issue, let us follow the law. Okay? We have a constitution in this country and we have to follow that. Mm -hmm. What I am 
actually putting forward is that this personalized views about that Ravin Godan is indispensable, this woman is black and she doesn't know anything, she's inexperienced, is a very toxic debate. I don't think we should go there. We are talking about two important institutions. He is a serious minister who is in a very critical position. She is a woman who is in a very critical institution also. Let us respect those institutions mm. and stop talking literally about them. About this, this one that would know anything, this one is so experienced. So what? Nobody is indispensable, not even, the, not even the president of the country. Nobody is. So I, I don't see the basis on which the so-called popular media in this country actually is going out of town or on the Mkwebani and saying that she must go, she must go, she's literate, she, she, she doesn't know anything and stuff like that. Mm. It doesn't make sense, okay? Because if we bring such emotions into the debate, we can also, or many people can also bring a lot of things. Mm. against uh, God and himself. But we don't want to go there. Mm. It is not going to help us. Let us respect these institutions for the legacy of the country. Mm. Let me move to you, Dr. Inahos. Your final sentiments to this discussion. Uh, we hear the Dr. Hoyane highlighting the fact that maybe we're dealing with this issue on a wrong paradigm in a space of uh, uh, the public opinion uh, arena. Oh, yes, and thankfully in this country we can't do that, you know. Um, the fact of the matter is uh, with the past few of our reports that didn't hold up in court on review, and with the one that is now being reviewed, that by all accounts won't hold up again, um, it is appropriate, in my opinion, to question her fitness for office. Mm. So it's good for us to do that, and I think we have also a legal process to be able to do that mm. within our parliamentary system. And I think it should be done, even evidence that it, it can be done at this point. Mm. Um, and I think even though she is currently, as we say, uh, the public protector, she has her reports, uh, recommendations are binding, it must go under review if, if, if whoever wants to do that, fine, the process will go on. But we uh, are well within our rights, I suppose, and I think it's appropriate at this point to question her fitness for. Mm. Let me give you the final sentiment, Theo Fenter. Uh, what's your final statement? My final position would be that um, uh, all of these things, and there I would like to link on with um, my colleague at UNISA, all this adds to the development of institutions, whether you look at it from the political side, the legal side, or public opinion side. And I think the one lesson that we've learned is that whoever takes over, because I think this public protector will serve out the term. I can't see... Unless she resigns on her own accord, I can't see her leaving. But that in future, we look for experience and we look for people that really, uh, especially, had practical experience in law. Um, uh, and th this is something, 
in light of announcements about the LLB degree that was also done this week, that's the one area with that if you've got a degree, any degree really for that matter, without experience, that is where the vulnerability lies. And this is what we're now experiencing. And that is you're looking for somebody that has been hardened and skilled by practical experience in how to apply law. The kind of um, announcement she made about the interpretation of laws and these kind of things tells you she doesn't know what's going on in the real world outside. So let's hope for the next public protector we will have experience and not only somebody that can pick the blocks in terms of gender, in terms of uh, demography, in terms of qualifications, but can really bring something to the job. Well, thank you all for giving us your differing views on this particular platform. Uh, thank you for joining us once again. It's always great to speaking to the three of you. Uh, that's Theo Fenter who ended up that conversation. He's the a political and policy specialist and lecturer at the Northwest University's Business School. Alongside uh, him was Dr. Inahos joining us in this discussion, a senior lecturer for governance and political transformation at the Department of Politics at the University of the Free State. Finally, but not least, we had Dr. Tabi Suhoyane, who is uh, from the University of South Africa's Department of Political Sciences. Thank you all for giving us your time.